Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you by Levi Solicitors, isn't it, Michael Normanson? Correct. What do they offer you? Discount on legal fees. How much? Legal services. How much? 10% off. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Where'd you go for it? Oh, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Services for you and your business. Yep. Bill's probate convention. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, Rob Conlon's with us as well as we talk about uh, Tony Yeboah's hat trick in Monaco. Before we get to the actual details of the game here, how often do you think about Tony Yeboah? You're genuinely in real day-to-day life. More than anyone else who played like a handful of games for Leeds 20-plus years ago, well, 20-ish years ago now. Because this game is September 1995. That feels like five minutes ago to me. Turns out it's not. It's about 28 at the time of recording. Oh, yeah, I feel like it's 20 years ago. Yeah, it's nearly 30. Yeah. Time, wow. Time's kind of gone really fast. It is basically my entire lifetime ago. Jesus. Just to make me feel old, but... I was really excited to watch this because I wanted to watch a full game of Tony Yeboah because I've only really seen the highlights. The only time I've ever seen Tony Yeboah play a game of football was Lucas Radaby's testimonial. <laughs> and that was a very different version of Tony Yeboah. Suboptimal, is it fair to describe I it? I mean, he was very good at falling over the ball, but other than that, it wasn't quite the, uh, the electric goal scorer mm. as he's remembered. I'm over a particular age and therefore I saw and remember Yeboah in his prime. I genuinely think about him at least once a week. <laughs> Yeah, I think I probably do. I as really well. do. And I see any volleyed goal, I go, yeah. And and when I was in my time at ITV, I, you can more or less age this by the fact it was um, there was a BlackBerry involved in the story, so it was that sort of time. But there were some freebie footballs. It must have been like around a World Cup or a Euros or something, and they were like kicking around the office. And someone threw one to me, and I shouted, "You bower and volleyed it as <laughs> as I could." Uh, and knocked, what happened? Uh, knocked a coffee over someone's phone, which broke. Yeah. <laughs> it was a BlackBerry. My uh, my housemate made a good point of yeah. When you grew up in, in the playground, whenever anyone hit like a big shot or a volley, you would shout your boa. And I was like, oh, I really miss when you'd play football in the playground. Mm. You just shout a name out when you'd kick the ball. Dakara! <laughs> yeah, I was just as, as a side note, I'm trying to work, I was trying to work out the other day, actually, when I stopped playing football in the field with my mates. We used to go to the local school because it had like mm. a hill at both ends. So if you kick the ball up the hill, it obviously rolled back oh, down. Nice. So we had a hill behind each goal, which was brilliant. I don't wonder when that stopped. I can't quite remember in my own mind's eye. Was it when I was like 30 or 25 or 18? I don't know. Mm, yeah, I feel like it was an early 20s thing that died out. Yeah. There might have been the odd, you know, the odd meet up again when you're sort of in your late 20s to have just a, a game of three and in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm knackered, lad. Should we go to the pub? Can't do it anymore, just, can you? Just return to you, Bowie. I think I do genuinely think about him all the time because um, 
Sam, my lad, has got a little bit of a low-key obsession with Ghana. Like he, he likes the Ghana kit. He enjoyed them in the like in the World Cup, mm. things like that. And I've, obviously, as soon as he mentions Ghana, your mind goes mm. Tony Yuboa. Um, and we and he now he came to me this week, which is why I thought about Yuboa this week. And he said, "Did Leeds ever play Tony Yuboa? Wasn't it who played for for Leeds and Ghana?" I was like, "Yep." And every time he does it, wheel out his goals, which include these. So, um, should we get back to as they call it, the principality? Because mm. um, we are facing Monaco in, in real world terms. Uh, we are just ahead of Leeds facing Monaco in a pre-season friendly ahead of the 23-24 season. Um, so it made us think of this, didn't it? The uh, the square ball guy to Tony Yuboa's hat-trick in Monaco, which took place uh, Tuesday, the 12th of September, 1995. Stad Louis XI. Were there 11 of them? <laughs> is it? A, I think it's a two. It's two, is I'm that? Gonna say, is I'm right? going to go for the, the two. A stadium. Aye, can, aye. can we talk about the stadium, actually, before we get to the game? Because I was always fascinated by this stadium. Yeah, me too. It Small little piddly thing, but... Like, in a, just the, the least British-looking stadium ever, I think, is the thing. You look, you look at it, you're like, well, that's that's like from space. Yeah. Something is that. Because it's got an open end, it's got a big Ar- arches, yeah, thing on it. Archie Gray. Y- yeah. It's got that at one end. There's all talk about there's car parks and offices and a swimming, swimming pool, pool yeah. underneath the stadium, underneath the pitch. And it's like... If you look, and because you, you can go on to... Google Maps and like anybody over 30 spend quite a lot of time on Google Maps don't you Michael I do spend a lot of time just imagining places you could be rather than Pontifrax and uh, you had a little walk around the stadium recently didn't you and it just looks like almost like an an apartment building from street Mm. level or something like that I'm saying it's Ken's beige inspiration isn't it from the outside hearing hearing aid beige it's all quite ugly looking but um, but from the inside yeah just an intriguing Sort of place and Monaco as well, just as a place. Well, yes, yeah, like the well, the tiered roof as well is very, very reminiscent of the the local geography of the buildings, isn't it? It kind mm. of it's almost the roof is built to be a little bit incongruous and to fit in with the surroundings. And yeah, it does it hold like ten thousand or something like twelve at a push or something. I think I think it's up to eighteen. I think oh, right. it seems to be, but they get because there's only like forty thousand, fifty thousand people live in Monaco. They obviously get really little attendances, so. I think there's quite a lot of Leeds fans there for this one, but generally speaking, not many. I was going to say the commentator on this keeps bringing up like how low their average attendance is, but then you just got this corner of the ground full of very noisy Leeds fans. <laughs> yeah, and we wanted more tickets than I think we were able to get, didn't we? Because uh, as we know, Leeds travel in numbers. Where were we then? This uh, this is the start of the ninety five ninety six season, which ended with the the League Cup final. Mm. We started ahead, well. We're getting ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> We have done a very old extra ball episode on that, haven't we? If you want to go back and relive that wonderful day at Wembley. But yeah, this is the season that started well. We, the season starts at Upton Park, where Yeboah's on his left foot smacking in a volley, which McCloskey just sort of looks at. In in the kit that we wore for this game as well, which we should say is the green and blue stripes, mm. which was impossibly exotic at this time. I think that's one of the things that really captivates me about this game. Monaco is impossibly exotic. We didn't have many, if any, African footballers in the Premier League in the mid-90s, so Yeboah was impossibly exotic. And the kit was a departure from mm. what I'd grown up with, which was Leeds United wear all white at home and all yellow away, and then this turns up, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, and Yeboah is just, he's in his, 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 his absolute best at this stage as well. So he's, he's scored the volley against Liverpool at this stage, and we're doing well. We're like, we've just lost to Spurs prior to this game, but we're fourth. I've, yeah. put the, I've put the full league table on just for <laughs> the amusement of seeing Leeds United in fourth, Manchester City in 20th. I think this early season might be some of the happiest I've ever been as a Leeds fan. <laughs> I mean, Howard Wilkinson gets asked about Yeboah before the game. and in very Yeboah's in incredible form, pretty much scoring every week, incredible goals. And Howard Wilkinson in his typically dour response 
replies, he's a goal scorer and he scored goals. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an absolutely astute observation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong, is he? He's not wrong. It was, yeah. a, it was a glorious start to the season. I, wrote, I had a pretty rough summer this time as well. I, I seem to recall like 1995. And yet, this was such an antidote to it. Like, so I was in the middle of my A-levels and stuff. Mm. It was all a bit stressful. And yet, Leeds were dead good. And playing in Europe. Don't get used to it. Europe's exciting, isn't it? It's so exciting. Yeah, I could never quite fathom why people would go to Monaco and it's only through growing up and understanding that there is impossible wealth in Monaco that um, people would go there and play because you would find these world superstars who traded um, a life at these big clubs to go play in front of basically nobody. Which, you know, given that Rodrigo's gone to out to Qatar for a couple of years, they're in one of the big... World Cup stadiums out of the club that he's gone mm. to there and yet they get about like four and a half thousand fans rattling around inside this big thing same sort of vibe mm. but this the Monaco squad is unbelievable at this time I mean they're in a, a phase where they've had Wenger as manager for seven years but he's left the year before but you can see a lot of his future players there so they've got Omri they've got Petit although he doesn't play in this they've got Christopher Ray, they've got Grimandi in the squad so they've got a lot of players we're going to be introduced to in a few years time and then a load of other people who go on to be pretty famous as well, like two Rams playing in this game. They've got Barthez in the squad. David Trezeguet's in the squad as a, a very young player. So they've they've got like a load of future World Cup Euros winners in the, in the team at this point as well. And yeah. they had just reached the semi-finals of the Champions League the year before. Mm. So they're they're a genuinely good side, and they also have you know some other some other names you'd recognise in there who went on to play some games in the Premier League. Tig and I like, strolling up and down the touchline. Stonewashed jeans and a baggy white shirt. <laughs> the sexy bastard. It's nice. Wilco's gone more sensible. Is he, still, is he still wearing his big... Office Asics, wasn't it, at this point? Big Asics overcoat and a flat cap. No, he's in, I mean, it's early September in south of France. It's, it's a pleasant evening, so he's quite rightly got a polo shirt and shorts on. Yeah. Good yeah. good Brit abroad sort of outfit. I bet, I bet he enjoyed a nice glass of wine, though, around this, south of France and all mm. that. Could have seen Ken. I did look up, because we know Ken's address, which I won't, I won't dox him <laughs> fully on them. Um, on, on this podcast, but we do know his address in Monaco, don't we? It's about a 45-minute walk from his... Princess Grace Avenue, that one. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. It's a big road. I'm not, I'm it, is a, yeah. it is a very big road, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. if you happen to find yourself there, we could probably point you in the right direction of the apartment. <laughs> it does look... Um... It's a good job we never had the budget back in the day. I might have gone and hide him off his balcony. <laughs> <laughs> Such is my hatred for him at various points. Yeah, it's quite a nondescript building where he lives, isn't it? We had a, a little look mm. at that when we were pulling around Monaco on Street View. Sort of holiday retirement flats, aren't they? Yeah. Pretty uninteresting. Like a week's all-inclusive in, you know... Benidorm, Torremolinos. Benidorm yeah. sort of vibe to it, but, you know, no tax to pay, which is the main thing, uh, isn't uh, it, Kim? Yeah, and surrounded by yachts and Formula One drivers and things like that. Mm. Um, anyway, the game itself, I mean, yeah, so some of the names in this side, Basil Bolly, Taram. More on him. Wow. In a bit. Uh, Enzo Schifo Enzo Schifo was, and um, Sonny Anderson were the exotic ones in this team because they were at a time when you didn't really know much about European football you'd just like there'd be occasionally like a bit in match or shoot or world soccer or whatever you were buying and there'd be like an article about Sonny Anderson and he was Brazilian so you were like oh he's going to be good yeah he's going to be good I didn't know most of these people were but like yeah Schifo was the other one that was a he was sort of the playmaker and was quite exciting and spoken about before. The, uh, the commentator has clearly read the same magazines as you because he doesn't shut up about Enzo Schifo. He's <laughs> no, like, he oh, Monaco needs to get Schifo in the game. It's all about Schifo. What are they doing? He needs to get on the ball. Oh, here he is. He's on the ball. And, oh, that's he's just pure class Schifo. Give it to Schifo. And even looking at the lineups, I mean, I, I know that TV companies often put these captions up and it bears, bears no genuine resemblance to, to what's happening on the pitch. But I mean, how fancy and exotic is this? It's either 
uh, a diamond in midfield or they're playing like 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder, which just was not done, was it, in this country at the time? We were still very much in the 4-4-2 era. Mm. Well, not in this, not for us in this game. Well, we were, we, were, we were possibly Euro- in possibly European, didn't we? I mean, they have laid out, this is Eurosport coverage, that there's uh, there's about 58 minutes of this game on, um, I think it's Tadcaster White's uploaded it to YouTube, so thank you for that. But it's um, they've got us set out in a 4-3-3, but it's really, you bow up front by himself. It's like Whelan and, Whelan and Dina are just playing on the wings, right. but uh, with a pretty much a flat midfield. Yeah, so the uh, the Leeds lineup: John Lukic in goal, back four of Gary Kelly, John Pemberton, David Weatherall and Tony DiRigo. Midfield, Carlton Palmer, um, Gary McAllister with the captain's armband and Gary Speed with Dino Yeboa and Noel Whelan completing the um, completing the eleven. One of the great things, and this is why it's worth watching this on um, on the Eurosport video that you, Michael just mentioned. Tad, is it Tadcaster White, you said? I think so, yeah. yeah. They do a, it's like the camera zooms in on the player. So rather than having a still picture of the player when they're doing the lineups, the camera sort of just gradually zooms in on the player's face. And they've evidently asked, as the TV people have asked the Leeds players to all stand there inside the stadium, because you can see the backdrop, mm. while they shoot this just ahead of the game. Have you seen Carlton Palmer? <laughs> he looks so furtive and sheepish. A lot of them do. A lot yeah. of them are just sort of glancing to the side as in, yeah. is, this, is this over yet? Is it? Is, is the are, you doing, are you doing? Are you doing a photo? Or is this a video? What are you? What's going on? Like if you if you were doing like the dictionary definition of guilty or shady looking man on film, like Carlton Palmer, is it? Because he's kind of looking down the camera, but yeah, his eyes just keep darting left to right, like he's uh, he's done something wrong. Um, where's Rod Wallace anyway? Injured. Right. So Tony Yeboah wearing number eight, which is the other thing that's weird about this because everyone knows he's twenty one. Is Yeboah. But uh, yeah, no, there's no names on shirts and there are no squad You're, numbers. We're still, yeah, we're still 1 to 11 here, aren't we? Yep. In so, so Yeboah gets to wear number eight. No, Whelan gets to wear seven, which I don't think he did normally either. He was 19, wasn't he, generally speaking? So yeah, so that's uh, that's something else to look at. And the, the, also, the commentator also refers to Welsh International Gary Speed giving a cosmopolitan feel to this lead side. Well, I said, I was talking about that having a general exotic air. That's, that's added to the mystique, hasn't it? Having a Welshman. I mean, we did a walk from there, didn't we? And it's about Monaco from from Gary Speed's um, hometown, across the international border. Yeah. And it was it's about two miles outside of England, isn't it? <laughs> and you go. Have you, have you heard of? Um, you, go, you go. It's that cosmopolitan. You go past the Tesco, over the railway line near England. I was I was just going to say it's like you know when you go abroad and you uh, you've got a car and you go to the local supermarket, local hypermarket, don't mm. you? And you buy your bread, you meet your cheeses. Similar sort of air to to North Wales. That very big. similar. Was it Tesco <laughs> or Asda? I can't quite remember. Just take the uh, take the vowels out for Wales. Yeah, David White has been replaced by Noel Whelan, just to uh, give a flavour of who else was in the lead squad at this time. And so the game itself, then, how did we start? One 0 up inside three minutes. Get in. Their keeper's shambolic. The commentator does mention when he's introducing the lineup that their keeper has been in and out of the team, mm. and you can tell why. He's a, <laughs> he's a bit Kikoi. There, I say it. His name is Pivoto. Pivoto. I think that means that's French for he who pivots. Hmm. Mm. But yeah, he starts the game sort of clashing into his own defender and getting sort of bumping into Brian Dean and he seems to be injured at that point. But then three minutes into it, he again collides with his own defender <laughs> and just leaves Tony Eboa to sort of like a mini overhead kick. It's a nice way of finishing it into an empty goal. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to blame Turam for this because it, it does clatter into it. He's higher than the keeper, isn't he? Because it looks like they both go for it and then I, th- I don't know if he hears the shout late from the keeper, but he sort of ducks under it. But then at that point, the keeper's about an inch behind him, so just plow, just plows into him. It's the uh, again the mad commentator says something like, "I'd like to see what the Royal Society of the Protection of Goalkeepers has to say about this." <laughs> and then he watches the replay back and he goes, 
Oh no, it's his own defender. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. It's a nice finish from you, from Tony though. He does. It takes it really, really well. Yeah, it's like kind of a hooked shot, just um, just over his head, isn't it? As Rob says, like yeah, a sort of a mini overhead kick. There's nobody in there. And then a little bit of I was going to say foreshadowing, but it's not foreshadowing because we'd seen since, with the introduction of the of the back pass rule that John Lukic had not thrived under those circumstances. <laughs> when did the back, back pass rule come in? It was the year after he won the league, wasn't it? So it would yeah. be ninety two, ninety three. And uh, John Lukic is in the the Asics, the yellow kit that had the little smatterings of sort of red mm. and white tiles on it, didn't it? And he was head to toe in that. Ball comes back to him from a, is that a sort of a through ball? And does somebody, somebody must put it back to him, I presume, or it runs through to him anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, and he, he shanks it. Just comes, comes off the outside of his foot. It's one of those where you think it's probably bobbled, but then it shows a replay from behind the goal, and I think he just takes his eye off it. Yeah, if you were a golfer, you'd like you'd say he'd slice it off into the woods. He liked him. Um, yeah. He liked the bounce and a big kick out of his hands, did Lukic, up yeah. to Lee Chapman. That was when he was at his best. Tony Yeboa taking some big hits as well just after there, this. There are a couple of quite bad tackles in, in this as well. <laughs> there's there's a couple of goes at Yeboa, the second of which catches him quite badly. And then Dorigo overruns it a bit in defence and has a lunge, which I think these days is probably a red card the, and a penalty. Yeah, watching it back now, it's, it just smashes through his ankle. Yeah. But the whole, the whole build-up to that tackle kind of sums up the game because I was watching it and you know it's the extended highlights so you think you'd see sort of a pattern of play sort of emerge but it never really settles down I, I thought it was like playground football where basically everyone gets it and then just tries to dribble and then gets tackled and whoever gets it next just tries to dribble and that sort of passage of play starts with Yeboah running upfield and on a really good run and he's stopped by Taram and again there's about eight consecutive dribbles and it ends Dorigo gets the ball at left back but then he tries to dribble as well and then gets tackled in his own box and yeah just smashes through a Monaco player's ankle but nobody makes a fuss of it at all. It's like, yeah, mm. play on. Who's next to have a go? Yeah, first half then, they're, they're sort of dominating possession and playing some nice football, as you'd imagine from these uh, France, fancy French gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, they they are stringing some passes together, whereas I don't think, I feel like none of our midfield really touched the ball in this half, other than occasionally to make a bit of a, a bit of a tackle. Did you enjoy Gary McAllister's uh, corner? Next to the, the enormous... Yes, product placement. <laughs> enormous can of Liptonic, which is the, the Monaco shirt sponsor. Is that, it, is that iced tea, Liptonic? Yeah, I think I think it's French for Lip, uh, for Lipton ice, right? Which is the uh, which is the the American one, isn't it? But yeah, he um, he does get booked as well. Does Gary Mack about half an hour in for for time wasting, which probably is an indication of where the game's going that we're trying to we're trying to slow it down. We we shouldn't do really because the crosses uh, cause him a lot of problems. Pivoto again comes. They don't to this. like it up him, do they? He just seems his air of Kiko about him because mm. Kiko always just seemed massively concerned by people being around him, and it's the same on this. The cross comes in, and he he could catch it, he could punch it clear, but he sort of punches it down and off his own defender, off a Leeds player, and it's just all very very unconvincing. There's, there's a really good Brian Dean cross towards the back post, and it's Carlton Palmer running in mm. at the back post, but you can tell he doesn't know whether to volley it or head it. And he sort of tries to head it when he should volley it, and then he tries to volley it when he should head it, and he just looks very very ungainly. <laughs> Uh, one of the highlights of the first half is I was going to say like the Monaco not maybe uh, maybe not Monaco lot rather maybe not used to fielding crosses but they have a cross which Dos Santos he doesn't hit it cleanly mishits it and you hear a nice noise from the Leeds fans which is which is very very, very, sort, of, ah, very sort of English fans it's down, it's it? down right ah. in the the corner where the Leeds fans are as well he's just got him down the, it's the left back pushing forward yeah and it's a, it's a lovely noise. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Halftime 1 0. Uh, Beasley comes on for Dorigo at halftime. Is that probably to save him from getting sent off, do you think? Maybe? Or was he carrying an injury? Or? I, I don't know, because he, do, he doesn't get booked despite nearly breaking a man's, <laughs> a man's leg. Everyone just goes, bah. <laughs> you get one. You get one of those. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm guessing he's injured. He was. We are entering um, Dorigo permanently injured phase here, aren't we, mm. around this time? Unless it's, a, it's an option to go maybe, I don't know, three at the back or something like that. I mean, second half, it does seem that Whelan and Dean are playing fullback, which is a mm. bit confusing because they're both strikers. Right. So it is, it's, it's drops, we drop so deep in the second half, it's actually hard to work out what sort of shape we are because it's, for the most part, it's just Tony Boa up front by himself and everyone else is somewhere behind the ball I guess if you think about it if, if you've got Pemberton Weatherall and Beasley at the back that then allows Kelly to push up into midfield a little bit Speed could play the wing couldn't he as well as mm. uh, you know full back so I guess maybe it's to protect out wide and to stuff midfield a little bit and that's the extent of my tactical guessing <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's not the full game it's hard to tell everything that's going on tactically because it just show, it's really showing attacks and when they attack we just doll behind the ball and when we have the ball now happens for the most part, even though he scored twice in this half. And just, uh, to, just as a spoiler, yeah, the keeper pivots, pivots off, and Della Roche comes on in the Monaco nets. Um, yeah, you, you like the shirt? Yeah, just that it's one of the Adidas template shirts of the nineties, but it's that. Is it, it the one that looks like abs? Yeah, it's, the, it's black and it's red sort of, and yellow. I think that, most famously, I, I associate that shirt with like Pavel Cernicek at Newcastle. And Rangers yeah. had it too. Yeah, for a time, Andy Gorham in it. I think it's, it's someone else I, I picture in it. But yeah, it's just. Loads of teams had it, but it was one of those I saw and I was like, ah, yeah, good, good. I'm glad to see this one again. <laughs> and more on the, the Pavel Schoenteck shirt later on, actually, because another keeper comes on who has a different keeper shirt on. And right. it's that one later on. Um, Sonny Anderson nearly scores an absolute worldie. But he beat, is it right that he beats Weatherall Dean and Beasley and yeah. Pemberton, all of our defenders, basically, <laughs> plus Brian Dean. <laughs> He's really cross about it as well. It's very strange because he seems to be trying to sort of G up the crowd 
And Basil Bowley does this as well, where he's sort of punching himself on the head. But yeah, Sonny Anderson, is, you can tell he's very, very angry with himself, but he's also trying to sort of G up the crowd. And he sort of does neither. Like he's just, <laughs> he just seems a very confused man. Hard to G up a crowd that isn't really, isn't really there as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, so we are, yeah, we get, we're dropping really, really deep, aren't we, for, for this game. Like first 15 minutes of the second half, we're just deeper and deeper. Everybody behind the ball. Apart from Tony, who stood up at the other end just waiting for things. And then we just, out of nowhere, just got a second, don't we? Because it's Tony Eboa and he can do these things. God, he was so good. I mean, it's such a simple goal is is the second in lots of ways. Because we've got, a, I think Eboa's gone for a ball. It's been, he's been tackled. It's gone out for a throw. And McAllister throws it to him. He's kind of somewhere between the 18-yard box and the touchline. No danger. You sort of think, if it's very late in the game, he's taking this into the corner. But instead, he just takes one touch. Just goes inside. One touch inside, and then just twats it in the top corner. You kind of go, fucking hell. <laughs> and it's nice because the camera's behind it as well. Mm. And you can see there's a ball boy behind the goal, and he just sort of puts his head to his hands like, fucking hell. <laughs> like, you can't quite believe it. And you can't tell if he's really angry. Or he's just he's like... mourns to his tet. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know. Mourns, Mourns, manacles, hands? No. Is that right? I'm, I'm guessing. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know if he's sort of furious that it's gone in or he's just gone. Wow, that's amazing. It's such a beautiful goal. Mm. And against the run of play, which obviously makes it even more delicious. I mean, we, we consumed this first time round, I imagine. Or, I mean, Rob, you weren't born, so that would have been... I was born. I was born yet. Are you, are you, but still, I can't imagine you would have taken a lot from this game. I, oh. I'm fairly sure I listened to it on the radio. Yeah, do you know what? I was thinking that, because we'll, we'll come on to the Basil Bowley stuff in a bit, but I don't remember seeing as much of this game, I don't think. And I think I left with the impression that we were good. Yeah. And, and I watched this back and I was like, how the fuck have we won this 3-0? Yeah. There's not an awful lot of football played in it, but, but you know, that's so, what Tony did. And for those who did consume it via Eurosport, we get some lovely stuff from the uh, the commentator after this. Yeah, <laughs> he just gets completely lost. He, he, starts, he goes... <laughs> Rob, for the benefit of you, because if you're listening to this rather than watching it on YouTube, uh, Rob's just having a little chuckle to himself, I, his, his shoulders bouncing. I caught you, caught you out of the corner I'm, of my eye then. I'm so happy you've made a note of this because I did make a note of this watching it. And it was one of those where you, you had to rewind it back going, did he really just say that? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, he doesn't know where he's going with it, but he's, it shows Tikana on the touchline and he goes out, who I think is experienced enough to know that if you're 2-0 down at home to Leeds, your chances of getting into the draw are as slight as a tramp being able to buy one of these flats by the ground. You're going to go, yeah, I, I see. I, I suppose the chances of that are pretty slight. Just what I was thinking. <laughs> the pause where he's he's clearly working out what to say. You think just just leave it, mate. Don't don't finish the sentence. It's not going to be good. <laughs> a slight as a very slight, no chance. But no, a tramp. Can you imagine Ken Bates coming across a tramp in Monaco? I'm sure. I think they put him straight in the sea, don't they? If they find one in Monaco, yeah, Wait, um, waited. Yeah, they have yeah. them. They have them pulped and sprayed into the ocean. <laughs> right, that's right. Uh, Ken's demand. Young lad called Thierry Henry. Is that how you pronounce it? Terry Henry. Oh, yeah, Terry, Terry Henry comes on 20 minutes to go. As Moscow would say. Terry Henry. And doesn't score against Leeds United. Imagine that. This, But this was ter- uh, Terry Henry version 1.0, wasn't it? This can be the only time he didn't score against us. I feel I feel <laughs> certain. He normally scored at least two or three against us for the rest of his career, I'm sure. And then it's 3-0 and it's over 80 minutes in. Certainly the end of the evening for a couple of them after this, uh, after this goal. Yeah, it's... Um, for some reason, it looks like the defence stroke keeper have got this completely in hand, but Yeboah's got a real turn of pace on him, it turns out, and it's uh, it's kind of a ball that's flicked over. The, I think Speed gets the first flick, then it comes off a Monaco player, and it's going through on goal, and you think, well, Bolly can either knock it back to the keeper, can put it out for a throw, he could sort of shepherd it back to the keeper, 
but it just all goes horribly wrong and they smack into each other at a right pace and Yeboah just, well, actually Yeboah lifts it over him, the keeper, and then a fraction of a second later they uh, they bash into each other. And well, they're both unconscious on the floor. Yeboah is dancing in front of the lead, Leeds end in front of a Ghana flag, which is absolutely beautiful. She's you, so pure are that we calling it a Yeboah jig? Little... Yeah, it's nice. But yeah, then, then it cuts back to the carnage that's gone on in, on the edge of the box. God, it's awful. Mm. Like, I... Again, I don't remember. I remember there was a bad clash of heads in this game and it being talked about, but I don't think the highlights you probably got on calendar or whatever would have covered this in as much detail. And it's a bit like the Ericsson thing when he, well, everyone thought he had died on the pitch. And you're watching it and you're thinking, shit, this is, someone's dying here. Like he's, he, he cuts the ball in, he's completely lifeless on the pitch and they're like doing it sort of like a half chest compression on him. They're pinching his face, trying to wake him up, the pull, opening his eyes and stuff. And it's horrible, even though I know he survives and, you know... Thrives. And, well, thrives. Well, he gets sold, actually, pretty, sure, pretty oh. shortly after this. But, um, you know, I, I know he's fine. But watching it, you're still like, oh, Christ, this is awful. And whereas nowadays they would cut to any different shot, mm. they just keep replaying this over and over again and keeping the cameras on them. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's, again, the commentator, when they finally do get stretched off, the commentator is going, they're sort of pumping him down by the sidelines. I'm not sure what they're doing. I think they're trying to G up the crowd, maybe. And you think... That's not. Yeah, I don't think that's what they're doing, mate. A bit more yeah. urgent than that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, and you it even shows him like shows him being put into an ambulance. It shows an amb- it shows the ambulance leaving because there's a running track. So it shows you get to see the ambulance kind of going off around the side of the round side of the pitch. But the general scene is really distressing. Like Tigana's over. There's players with like their their hands on the head, kind of in a like shit. I think he's dead. Kind of look that that people have about him. So yeah, when you when you eventually see him move a bit, you're like. Oh thank God! Thank God for that. Mm. Even though you know, twenty-eight years on, I do know, I do know he was fine. It still makes you anxious though when you see it, doesn't it? Mm. And Just then that, that moment of jeopardy. I mean, Bolly's in a bad way. Although I am thinking during all this, I'm thinking, watch his neck. Like, mm. They're not protecting his neck much. They're really the man handling him about because the keeper's also in a bad way, but not as bad. The I keeper's mean, he's sort of weirdly conscious, isn't he? As the ball goes in the net, yeah, he sort of gets up, looks at the ball going in the net, and then falls down again. Mm. But likewise with with um, Bolly, it's like two minutes into the clip and then they check whether he's like swallowing his tongue or not. Mm. Come on, like, Jesus. <laughs> Lads. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel like um, the response would probably be quite different these days. It feels a little bit like they've sort of, we're in the crossover phase, I think, between the man with a bucket and a sponge and and the kind of high-end medical treatment you get these days. So yeah. It's somewhere in the middle, but he, uh, he's, he's all right in the end. Well, the upshot of this is that they've used their subkeeper already. So one of their midfielders comes on to go and goal. No, not just any midfielder. Who? Glad Puel. Puel. The uh, Leicester and Southampton. Indeed, yes. Manager. Yeah. Yeah, so he comes on. He's a midfielder in goal. Not maybe as au fait with the rules of goalkeeping, so straight away just picks up a back pass. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they literally kick off, pass it backwards, and he picks it up, and then does he drop it again? Because he's, he's like, oh, oh shit, oh, no. Can't do that. I didn't do it. Uh, and he's in a different shirt, isn't he, than the previous keeper? This is where the Cernicek thing comes in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, he's, yeah so he's in the... Um, I, I, it's an added template again, so loads of teams will have had this. But yeah, I remember it as a Newcastle shirt. Yeah. This one. So yeah, well, it comes on wearing a, a, I think it's a number 16 goalkeeper shirt, which is uh, which is nice. So then, uh, yeah, we get the free kick. And for some reason, we're pulling the ball back to Carlton Palmer for a shot. What are we doing? We've got Yeboah in the team. We've got Gary Mack. We've got Gary Speed. Some good players who can strike a ball in here. We've got Brian Dean, Noel Whelan. But no, Carlton Palmer. Who knows? Don't go in. You're shit and you know you are. Sing the Leeds fans as this one is coming towards a close, mm. which is nice. Which is nice, and I mean, at this stage, they're down. They've got a midfielder in net. 
they're down to 10 men because they've, they've used the subs. This is the classic it's all gone wrong scenario, isn't it, for a football very, team? Very lazy, actually. Yeah. Probably <laughs> coming into this thinking, might be all right here. Nope, two of the players are in hospital and we've lost 3 0. So, yeah, and that, that's the end of the game, really. It sort of it fizzles out. We seem content to just not try to add a fourth. Just just leave it, keep possession. They seem content to not concede a fourth because I guess they don't want anyone having shots at Puel. So, what happened next? Well, the second leg back at Ellen Road, lost that 1 0. We're going to that. John Lukic was very good in that game, actually, because at this time I was kind of against John Lukic, I would say. Having done all the match ball 30 stuff, I realised he was good for a time. But at this point, yeah, not so much. I can see why we signed Nigel Martin not long afterwards. Yeah. Um, so it was Sonny Anderson who scored the, the single goal um, at Ellen Road. But do you know, I always thought that game was... I went to that and I thought it was 0-0. Right. <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at the result and I was like, they score? I just have but, no memory of it whatsoever. It, but it's funny, they did, they scored after 23 minutes and you could imagine that even at 3-0 that there's a little bit of shuffling in seats uncomfortably at this point because, well, they've scored 1-0 after 23 minutes, what if? Mm. But thankfully we managed to... It was really empty for that return leg, I remember. I remember like really rattling around the family stand, I think there was only about 20 odd thousand people there, which feel, feels weird for a European game. We'll be playing in Europe all the time, don't you worry. <laughs> so you're still, well, it's, yeah. it's interesting you say that because I was looking at some of the other results and this was a first round tie, we should add. And it's quite a difficult first round tie. And Wilco mm. was asked about that in the in the run up to it, wasn't it? And he was he was quite phlegmatic about the whole thing. But to contrast it with some of the other ties, um, Lons from France they won thirteen nil on aggregate in their first round tie against Avenir Began. I think it were a Dutch team. Barcelona won twelve nil um, against an Israeli team on aggregate. Man United actually, and this was another fun thing. Man United went out to uh, Rota Volgograd. Can't remember that. It was I think it was nil nil in the first leg away, and it was two two back at Old Trafford. Under thirty thousand at Old Trafford for that. Wow. So maybe it just didn't have the glamour in the pull. Mm, which know. was weird because it was a much better competition then. Yeah. It was like a, a good knockout, some difficult games, some big teams in it because obviously Champions League will have just still been one team at this point, wouldn't it, I think. Yeah, I mean, you've got like uh, like under 16,000 in the San Siro for Inter's second leg game. Not a lot of people, is it, that? Wow, very empty. But yeah, Monaco, the other thing on goalkeepers actually, you do notice when they're Della Roche is at the side of the pitch being tended to before being put in an ambulance. You do spot Fabian Bartos there, who they signed that summer to play in net, but he's got he's clearly got some sort of a bandage or a pot on his arm. So mm. that presumably that's why they've got these other two chumps in, in net <laughs> who are both absolutely shambolic. Just cannot find a keeper. So they, they finished third uh, that season, then won the league the season after. Yeah. Then everybody went to to Arsenal <laughs> and or won the World Cup. Yeah, Sonny Anderson went to Barcelona. Did he, anything? Did they, did they ever do anything at Barcelona or? I think they're still going. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have a brilliant time there. He was kind of not not the player they maybe they maybe thought. But you know, it's Barcelona. Like buy someone else, can't they? Yeah, get another Brazilian. And Basil Bollet he struggled to come back from that um, injury. Almost, I don't know. Did it sort of lead towards the end of his career? Because this is post Marseille, isn't it? When he was kind of in his in his heyday, when Chris Waddle was there as well. And we should say YouTube. Have a look for Waddle and Bolly. We were just celebrating Rob, that. Rob's first time. Yeah, we just introduced Rob to that. Popped his cherry. It's genuinely uh, good. It's I'll a song that. that Basil Bolly and Chris Waddle did. What's it called? We've got a feeling. Yeah. So have a look for that on YouTube. It's um, it is catchy. But yeah, Bolly had, had he had had a failed spell at Rangers in between times as well. But he'd only signed for Mon- just signed for Monaco. He only played eleven games for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so never, but never got never got back in the team from this, and then we ended up in. Japan. So he went off, as did Arsene Wenger, actually, I think, at yeah. a similar time. He was uh, yeah, he was off in Japan for a couple of years and then retired in 1998. So yeah, we lost that second leg 1-0. Didn't really matter, did it? And then we 
played against PSV Eindhoven, which is another one that sticks in my memory. Should uh, do a guide on that, actually, because that yeah. was a good game. Yeah, well, we won't spoil that by getting into too much detail, but I do remember, obviously, the 5-3 defeat at Ellen Road, and we lost 3-0 at their place. They absolutely obliterated us. I just remember... <laughs> They were brilliant. They were yeah. so, so good in that second. Was it the second leg, the 5-3 or the first? Whichever the it was. First, it was the first. Yeah, the 5-3 was the first leg at Ellen Road. And I remember their fans as well. They were in the cheese wedge doing like this coordinated champ mm. where they all kind of pointed at once. That's said like something go and, Grease Lightning. What you're it, was, yeah, it, was, it was a bit like Grease Lightning and then they stomp or whatever. I, just, I can remember it all happening in unison thinking, wow, mm. that's impressive. Yeah, so we were all right for a bit at the start of that season and I went from it being a really, really happy time supporting Leeds United to... <laughs> A bit of a struggle. Yeah, the kind of early, are we going to challenge for the title? That fell away pretty quickly into, oh, we're probably going to be like on the fringes of Europe to then um, post-Christmas just completely falls apart. We, we the, beat... the, the League Cup run was probably a bit of a distraction with hindsight. Yeah, I mean, we do get a couple of wins against Birmingham in the League Cup, which which gloss over things a little bit. But we, we beat West Ham with a couple of goals from Thomas Brolin on the 13th of January. And from that point, we win two games. <laughs> the remaining 16. Yeah. So, also, uh, there's an FA Cup quarterfinal in there as well, which goes to a replay. Mm. But again, yeah, maybe a bit of a distraction. Was that the Liverpool mm. one, Ellen Road? Again, I remember there was outrage at the tickets for that being £25 because it was on TV. Yeah, okay. um, I remember pot, the, it was the Pot Vale season as well. That was like 25 quid, I think. Yeah. That had about... 15,000 people there for that and, one. I think there were about 25,000 people inside Ellen Road because it was on the telly. People, I'm not bloody paying that. A very Yorkshire approach to things. Anyway, we got yeah. to Wembley and... That was good as well. Don't need to talk about that, do we? <laughs> we can just remember this night, this balmy night in the south of France. Not quite France, but France enough. But yeah, 13th of January, 35 points. 16 games later, 43 points. Good old Leeds. Still, we had a nice time in Monaco, didn't we? We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 